too. When you have it, say amen. steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. Amen. Just one verse. So what do we do with one verse? Read it again. And they continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Praise God. Anybody remember what Sunday was? Pentecost Sunday. So tonight and, and at least for tonight and next week, maybe an extra week, we'll see how, uh, how the Lord moves on me and how many scriptures he gives me and all this stuff. But uh, we're going to talk about Pentecost continue. Pentecost continue. God bless you. Be seated. Amen. Amen. Up until well, the previous uh, four weeks or so prior to last Wednesday, uh, we uh, were studying and talking about, uh, well, let me ask you, what were we talking about? Let's see if you were listening. No, that was Sunday. What was, our, what was our series of lessons on Wednesdays? Developing a righteous spiritual hunger. Developing a righteous spiritual hunger. And I, I, don't, I don't know about you. I hope that it applies to you. But, but I am hungry for a move of God. Amen. Not just, not just when we come to church on Sundays. Not just every once in a while on a Wednesday night when we just happen to be spunky that night and, you know, connect with the Lord. Not just when we come into uh, what we have called the house of God. But every day that we live, we need a move of God. Every day when we go out into our world, we need a move of God. We need to be moved by God. Amen. And, and when we uh, recognize the, the setup of the, the context of this verse that we just read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, everything leading up to this, they were waiting for the promise of Jesus. Now keep your Bibles at the ready. Keep your swords at the ready tonight. We're going to go through lots of scripture. Amen. We're going to even have some, some participation uh, from the congregation tonight. Amen. We're going we're gonna to do a little bit more uh, rather than me just, just teaching. We're going to do some, some engagement tonight. But we're talking about Pentecost continued. So Acts chapter 1, verses 4, four through 5 and verse number 8. 
This is the setup. This is the, 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 the giving us the beginning of the context. Now, this, we're going to talk more about it. It goes, reaches back into the, the teachings of Jesus to his disciples. But, but this is where uh, it begins in the book of Acts. Uh, verse number four, being assembled together with them. This is Jesus. He commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. But what do they, what do they need to do? Wait. Wait for the promise of of the Father which saith he, you have heard of me. Jesus had told them of this. Why? In verse number five, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now we, and, and I have said it, and I, it's, it's still true, Jesus in, in his own words came to seek and save that which was lost, that is his, his purpose, but, but that's not his only purpose. Who was the forerunner of Jesus? John, John the Baptist. So if we call him John the Baptist, what did John do? He baptized, good, see, awesome. He's preparing the way, and in his preparation, he's preaching, proclaiming, but we call him the baptizer because he baptized people. But in his baptism, it was, it was a, a baptism of repentance, but it was a baptism with water. Isn't that what John said? I, I baptize you with a baptism of repentance, but one comes after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with what? The Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. So Jesus, yes, he came to seek and save that which was lost, but in that seeking and saving, part of the salvation was to fill them, you and I, praise God, with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's, it's I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going I'm to back myself off from there. You get a Pentecostal preacher preaching about that stuff. Amen. So, so this, we see the setup here. And so we go, we'd go in, uh, continue in Acts chapter 1 to verse number 8, when Jesus said, you shall receive power after what? The Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what are you going to do? You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So, these disciples are obeying what Jesus told them to do. You remember how many, the scripture shows us in the book of Acts chapter 1, how many were about, how many were in the upper room? About 120, okay? So about 120 of the disciples of Jesus were gathered, praying, seeking the Lord, and when the Holy Ghost was given in Acts chapter 2. It was quite the ruckus. I don't know that I necessarily need to replay all of that, but, but you know what happened. The Holy Ghost was given, and it, there was quite the stir. There was apparently enough noise, enough racket going on, that it got people's attention. And so the promise was fulfilled. The promise was fulfilled. And, and 
let me just throw this in there because we're going to talk more about this in just a little while uh, in, in different ways. But, but uh, you know, we're told Jesus said that, that it will be the promise of my Father. Terry and Jerusalem until till you are endued with power from on high. And, and he tells them to wait for the promise of his Father and, 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 and this. But, but John said that he's going to be the one to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So we're going to reconcile that in just a little bit. We're going to bring that together. Let me just go ahead and give you the spoiler alert. We know Jesus is God in flesh. Praise God. One and the same. So the promise being fulfilled. And, and so when this all happened, this was the time. This was the opportunity on the day of Pentecost that we all wish that we could be bold enough to step up and proclaim just like Peter did. How many ever ever wanted to just, just, just be in that moment? It may be completely out of your norm, but you want to, you, you, if you were given that opportunity, you would step up in that place like Peter and you would preach. Anybody ever thought that you, you would love to be used of God like that? Amen. I don't even know if Peter would have, would have thought about that, but, but emboldened by the Holy Ghost, he did. Amen. And so he preached, he stepped up, and he proclaimed the gospel message for the first time. And when you think about it, when you read the context of the Scripture, in, in, in you know, just trying to make it short form, there were hundreds, if not thousands of people that heard Peter's sermon. On that day anybody know of the scripture I'm just trying to think of how to how to phrase the question you, you just to make sure that I'm right right there were hundreds if not thousands of people there that day that heard this message how do we know that somebody speak up Where, where does it say it? Where does Scripture say it? In Acts, yeah. Nice. You're close. Okay? Come on, all you, all you, all you old-time saints. Right. Later on, at the end of, end of this chapter, chapter 2, Scripture shows us that there were added to the church that day about 3,000 souls. Okay, so, so hearing Peter's preaching were, were hundreds, if not thousands of people because we understand that in the earlier part of Acts chapter 2, after the, the, the noise got people stirred up, we know that there were Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven that were gathered together there for the Feast of Pentecost. Okay? So this is all just part of the setup. And so... From there, we see just a from uh, the what we can put together the pieces from this portion of scripture is that the, the, there was just a miraculous move of the Holy Ghost that day. The Spirit of the Lord was on that 120 roughly as promised, and and that Spirit just was springing up from them, bursting forth from them, like Jesus said, "It's going to be out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water." 
Amen. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? All right. We might get some Pentecostal folks excited tonight. <laughs> but there was such a move of the Holy Ghost from, from that 120 to the thousands that got to hear the gospel on that day. So, we go from, from that narrative. I, I, I don't like to use the word story because this is real events. So if I, if I happen to say story, please forgive me. But uh, the, that narrative on the day of Pentecost, it's all been set up. God knew what the right time was. The right opportunity. He knew when, he w when it was going to happen. So when this all happened, and the day of Pentecost took place, and now there's approximately 3,000 or more people that are now in the church. Praise God. Woo! What a... They're going to have their hands full with discipleship after that. Amen. 3,000 plus people come into the church and one day, the first day of the church. Could you imagine... And so how would they continue this? How would they take this event that happened on this day, the day of Pentecost, how would they take that and continue it? How would they take an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, a move of the Spirit of God, and let it continue to happen? How would they take the boldness of proclaiming and preaching the gospel like Peter did? How would they do that? Not just on the day of Pentecost, but every day thereafter. Surely there's got to be something that they would do. Now they were learning. They had to learn this all on the fly. We don't know how much Jesus taught them about church management behind the scenes. But what we read in Scripture, what we use as our context, as our, as our uh, text tonight in verse number 42, gives us the formula for Pentecost to continue. Let's read it again. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. I, I hope, I pray that you don't just let your pastor get up on Sunday mornings and get red in the face and preach my heart out to you and teach you on Wednesdays and that's all you're content with. I hope and I pray that you're not content with just keeping what God has given to you to yourself. But I pray that all of us, we want to continue to see the kingdom of God grow and flourish. That our families, that our friends, that our co-workers, that, our, that strangers around us, that they can know and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ 
proclaimed and they can hear and know about the promise of the Holy Ghost and of salvation and receive it for themselves. And we get to be a part of that. In fact, we get to be the primary instrument that God uses to work what we would call revival in our generation. Amen. So, in this formula for Pentecost to continue, because folks, I, I hunger for a move of the Holy Ghost. I hunger for people to be saved. I don't want to just continue in uh, just, just Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. And that being all we do. There's more to being the church. Not just in the church, but being the church. There's more to this. And we need to grab a hold of it and steadfastly continue in this uh, recipe, continue in this formula for continued outpouring of the Holy Ghost and revival. Somebody say amen. First thing, we're, this is what we're going to talk about tonight. I, I was actually planning on just uh, hitting the whole formula tonight. And I just, as God, as I was just preparing, it's just, God said, well, you're, you're going to be stuck on this tonight. <laughs> the first thing that was mentioned by Luke, the writer of the book of Acts, of the formula that, that was needed, that was used for Pentecost to continue, was what? It's right there, verse 42. The apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What was their doctrine? We're going we're gonna to talk about that, so there's going to be some engagement here in just a little bit. So be ready. What was the apostles' doctrine? So let me try to give you the setup. We'll give you the lead, leeway into... The, the conversation tonight. Who was the disciples' teacher? Say it out loud. Jesus, right. Jesus was their teacher. How many years did Jesus teach his disciples? Three years Jesus taught them. Now, we only get a glimpse. Thankfully, as the scripture shows us, this is what God has chosen to give to us to get us to heaven. But we only get a small glimpse of what Jesus taught during his earthly ministry. I hope everybody understands that. We, we got enough people confused with what we've got. <laughs> he, he asked, why don't we have more? Amen. Because sometimes more adds more confusion. And it's simple enough. The gospel is simple enough. And that's all it needs to be. Praise God. So for three years, we get, 
we get a glimpse of, of the teachings that Jesus gave or did to his disciples and to others. Uh, he taught them kingdom principles. He used parables to do so in many of in, those instances. He taught of many blessings in the kingdom. You, uh, you might have heard of what, what we call the Olivet Discourse or uh, the Beatitudes, as some would call it, or the Sermon on the Mount. You can use any of those three, three ways to describe that, that particular message. In that message, he, he taught them how to deal with anger and how to, how to handle your enemies, how to deal with lust in your, in your life, how to, uh, how, about marriage, about uh, speaking truth, of retaliation, turning the other cheek, or going the extra mile, of loving your enemies and, and giving uh, to the needy and fasting and prayer, uh, of the link between our treasures and our hearts, of the care that our Heavenly Father has for us, of judging others and, and, and being aware of our own hypocrisies. Of how to ask your Father in heaven for good gifts. Of the golden rule. Of recognizing good fruit and corrupt fruit and the trees that bear them. He talked about our relationship with the Lord. And our need to build our lives upon the rock. He taught of their responsibilities, not in that message, but, but later on in other teachings. He taught that they, they are, or that Jesus was the vine and they are the branches. That they would be the light of the world. And that they need to let their light so shine before men. And that uh, Jesus talked also of his own purpose. That he's the fulfillment of the law. He taught them that, that his purpose or reason was to seek and to save that which was lost. That he came to bring life and that more abundantly. We get glimpses into personal conversations that Jesus had with other individuals. You remember in John chapter 3, very, very important conversation that Jesus had with one man. Oftentimes, people jump right to John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world. Beautiful. But you don't get John 3, 16 without the beginning of that conversation. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, who came to him by night, he said, Master, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these miracles unless God's with them. And so Jesus, he just put it bluntly, verily, verily, I say unto you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can a man be born when he's old and enter a second time into his mother's womb? That's what Nicodemus asked. Jesus said, verily, verily, I want you to listen to me. Unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. I'm, I'm giving you this for a reason. Because if we look at the formula for Pentecost to continue, if we look at what the apostles did and what the church did to keep going in the revival that, that God was giving to this brand new church, 
then they needed to continue in the apostles' doctrine. And what was the doctrine that the apostles taught? We get the idea, we get the understanding from who taught them. Is everybody with me? The disciples are not just going out on their own and teaching their own philosophies and their own ways of getting to God. For three years, Jesus invested into their lives. For three years, day in and day out, he taught them. He communed with them. He instructed them. He chastised them. He gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. So whatever the disciples taught, they got it from Jesus. Is everybody with me? So Nicodemus, we hear what Jesus told Nicodemus. This is what he taught. You must be born again of water and of spirit. The woman at the well, she needed water. Not, not just water from the well, but water from, from the, the well of life. He told her, he said, if, if you knew who, who you were talking to, you would ask of me for water that you'll never thirst again. It will be water that is in you springing up into everlasting life. And others that Jesus taught, uh, he was talking to a crowd and it included Pharisees in John chapter 7, verse 37. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But the scripture doesn't stop there. Because John, one of the disciples, one of the learners of Jesus, when he was writing this, because this, this writing is happening after Jesus is gone. The church is already growing. He's writing this years after that and as he's writing he's remembering i love this he's remembering the teachings of jesus and in, in this instance he tries to put the pieces together for the reader this is what jesus taught and verse 39 says this is why okay let me go back verse 30 uh, uh, verse 37 at the end he says if any man thirsts let him come unto me and drink he that believes on me as the scripture has says out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water verse 39 in brackets here's your explanation but this is what Jesus was talking about he spake of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified So he gave explanation. 
that when Jesus made that comment, that, that teaching, that instruction to the people, the crowd on that day regarding the, the rivers of living water, he was talking about the Holy Ghost that would infill every believer. Amen. Isn't that awesome? So, all right. So we, we, I just gave you the glimpse, just a little bit of help, that the disciples, after the day of Pentecost, or even on, including the day of Pentecost, when Peter got up and preached, everything thereafter recorded in the book of Acts, the things recorded in their own letters, epistles that they wrote, the doctrines are not just made up by the apostles. They get that from their teacher, from their rabbi, from their master. Amen. They learned at his feet for three years. So, what did the apostles teach? After all their learning from Jesus, what we see in the book of Acts chapter 2 we see a, a number of things. I'm, I'm not going to dive too deep into each of them. Uh, it's not the purpose for tonight. But, but you get to see in this first sermon on the day of Pentecost the, the groundwork of what they had learned from Jesus and what they had to apply. I have to put this, insert this in here right now because you have to believe this in order to move forward. Okay? So, either, if, if, if everything that's recorded in the book of Acts is what the, the apostles taught and how they lived, what they, what, what they put into practice, right? So if that's the case, then everything that they did as far as their teachings and the, the practices that they put in place, they either were obedient to their master who taught them for three years, or they were disobedient. Which at that point then, we've got bigger problems. So you have to believe, in order to move forward properly, you have to believe that the disciples are moving forward in obedience to the teachings that Jesus gave them. Everybody with me? Anybody not with me? Amen. So, if that's the case, then Peter, on the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us that when they were being mocked and people were marveling and wondering, and they were said that these men are, dr are drunk, Peter stood up, but he didn't stand up by himself. Who else stood up with him? Say it out loud so everybody can hear you. <laughs> the rest of the 12, the other 11. So the other 11 disciples stood up with him. So Peter was not preaching by himself. He had the backing of the apostles. Okay? So he stood up and he began to preach. In this message, he pulled from Old Testament writings. He said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel pulled from Old Testament writings, and he preached Jesus and him crucified. 
So he preached the, the gospel message. The, the birth, or sorry, the, the, the life, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In that, we get a glimpse of instruction of what we call the oneness of God. You get to see the new birth experience that Jesus taught. And you get to see holy living. Okay? We're talking about Pentecost continued. What was included in the formula for Pentecost to continue, for the church to continue to grow? The first thing is they continued in the apostles' doctrine. On the first day, the birth of the birthday of the church, Peter talked about the one God, he talked about the new birth, and he talked about holy living. Everybody with me? One of God, the new birth, and holy living. Okay? That's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Verse 36, Acts chapter 2. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. You may say that that sounds like a Trinitarian doctrine. That there's more than one. There's, there's at least two in the Godhead. Well, let me help you understand that God doesn't share His glory with another. Now, we've got many other scriptures that we can pull from, but I'm trying to give you the example from what the apostles preached on that day. Okay? So on that day, give me just a moment. So if God doesn't share his glory with another, then what we're reading right here is that God has made that same Jesus whom you crucified, Lord and Christ. So he's not just the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, but he is Lord. What does that mean? That means that he is the final authority. That's what that means. That he's the decision maker. <laughs> if God's not sharing his glory and God's not going to give up his throne, then what we're seeing is, we're seeing the, the, the understanding that Jesus is God in flesh. We see that, we're going to get there in just a few minutes. We see that from Jesus' own teaching to his disciples. We'll get there in just a little bit. So, we see the oneness of God. We see the new birth experience. Anybody want to guess where we see the new birth experience? Say it, say it loud so everybody can hear you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Let's turn there. Keep your Bibles ready. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. But, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get there, Joey. Hang tight. I appreciate the excitement. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Somebody read it out loud for everybody. Stand up and read it. Do you have it? Don't stand up if you don't have it. Shall receive the of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So we see the new birth. Jesus told Nicodemus about it. And now the disciples, Peter is preaching about the new birth. Being born of water, what is that? Baptism. Baptism. Being born of the Spirit is what? 
the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the being born of water and of spirit like Jesus taught, now Peter is teaching. You with me? Okay. And holy living, verse number 40. Somebody stand up and read that, not Joey. Going to have more crowd participation here. That's why we've got to call on them. Okay. Joey, pick somebody to read. Verse 40. <laughs> Save yourselves from this untoward generation. How do we do that? We are separated from the world, dedicated unto God. That is the definition of holiness. Okay? So we're seeing the apostles' doctrine preached in the first message on the day of Pentecost. There's one God. That's what every Jew believed. You need to be born again. Water and spirit. He preached that in verse 38. And in verse 40, we see holy living, that you need to continue walking holy before the Lord. Not like the world. Praise God. So, that was the message on that day. But Pentecost needed to continue, right? It needed to continue. So verse 41, somebody read that. Hannah, your turn to pick somebody. So you hopefully everybody understands what's happening now. You're gonna be you're gonna be potentially chosen. Keep your Bibles at the ready. Verse 41, Jesse. All right, I didn't quite hear you. Can you stand up again and read, everybody hear you? Okay, so do you notice what just happened? So Jesus taught his disciples. Now Peter, one of his disciples, has just preached the first gospel message with including doctrine... And so what happens? Those that were there that gladly received his word. In other words, they're receiving the teaching, the instruction that Peter just gave to them. It has now been passed down. And when they did that, when they received it, they put it into action. Okay? Those that gladly received his word were baptized. And they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So we have, again, a window, just a glimpse of the happenings on that day. Please stay with me in these next few moments because you can get lost if you're not careful. Okay? We have just a window, a glimpse into the happenings on that day. Now, the, Brother Derek, what's the first rule of Bible interpretation? What does the scripture say? Okay? So we just read, the scripture says that there were people that gladly received the word of God. And when they received it, they were baptized. 
And it only says from there that they were added that to the church that day about 3,000 souls. What's missing? We just read Acts 2.38. What's missing from verse 41? What's that? Receiving the Holy Ghost and repentance. Okay? Does that mean that they didn't repent? Does that mean they didn't receive the Holy Ghost? No. So, again, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm doing some, some teaching, some instruction tonight. Okay? So, with this glimpse into the happenings on that day, we read what the Scripture tells us here in verse 41 about those that were added to the church that day. But the Scripture doesn't say that they, were, they repented. It doesn't say that they received the Holy Ghost like the 120 are you are you you're still with me okay so when the scripture doesn't provide direct information for us meaning that it doesn't tell us that those people who were baptized had repented or received the holy ghost okay what do we do with that ah good job joey Good job, Joey. We use context. Context. Okay, so, so we have to look at, there's three different contexts that we look at when we're, when we're interpreting the Scripture. Okay? So again, first, what, is it, what, is just, what does it say? Okay? Well, it says this, but the context, the context says that First of all, they receive the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's how the, the chapter starts, which was the fulfillment of the previous chapter when Jesus said they would receive the Holy Ghost. But everywhere else, or, or, or when we get to verse 38, we see Peter said the first thing was that they needed to repent. So we get our, our deeper understanding from the context that surrounds that verse. Are you still with me? So, if Peter said it in verse 8, it's, it's reasonable by the context that in order to be added to the church that they needed to have received the same experience that the 120 did. Does that sound reasonable? I see, a, I see a question. <laughs> you got a question, this is the time to ask it. Okay? All right, so, so the, the context, verse 38, shows us what Peter preached. Okay? So we get, we get uh, uh, more information from the surrounding context of the verse. But not just the surrounding context in that chapter. You use the context from the rest of that as well. Okay? Specifically the book of Acts because it's giving us the recorded history of the church. It's the only history book in the New Testament. Still with me? So we look at the context of that chapter. We look at the context of that particular book, the book of Acts. And we look at the context of the rest of the Bible. 
What does the rest of the Bible say? Okay? That's a, those are measures that we have in place to protect the teachings that we get from Scripture. Okay? So, from there we look at verse 39. He's, uh, Peter says that the promises to you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So now adding context from the rest of the book. Okay? So this promise, remember, just finished verse 38, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he says, the promise is to you, to your children. So, so the context continues. So this is going to be a same experience, not just for you that he's preaching to, but to your, your kids and to everybody else who's afar off. So the same experience he talked about in verse 38 carries forward into the promise in verse 39. Make sense? Okay, if you've got questions, tonight's the night. Verse 47. Okay? Verse 47, same chapter. They were praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Okay, again, we don't have a, a, a glimpse in that moment as to what was happening to those people in order to be added to the church. The context shows us from what Peter preached is that they would fulfill what has been preached. Right? That's a reasonable assumption from the context. Any questions? Okay, quickly. Yes. Yeah. So keeping the formula in place. But we're, lo we're looking specifically at the Apostles' Doctrine tonight. Okay? So the par part that we're looking at, the Apostles' Doctrine, what are they teaching? So verse 38 gives us teaching of the new birth. So that would be what needs to be fulfilled in order for them to record that somebody's been added to the church. Got it? So, let's look at their continued practice in the rest of the book. The continued practice in the rest of the book. What did they continue to do? What was the doctrine they continued to, to believe as far as salvation? In Acts chapter 8, verse 14. When the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, okay, there's a key component right there, just like on the day of Pentecost. Remember they that gladly received his word? They were baptized, okay, remember? So we're seeing the same type of thing here. The word of God was preached to those in Samaria. They received it. And so they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that what would happen? They might. So in other words... It was important enough that they, they, they needed it. They needed the Holy Ghost, so they sent Peter and John. Okay, so we've got we to gotta understand that, that that's, that's part of that. Okay, so they, they needed the Holy Ghost. So they, they sent Peter and John down. Verse 16 gives us understanding. So because he was not yet fallen upon, he was fallen upon none of them, 
see, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had already been baptized in Jesus' name, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Ghost. Okay? Verse 17, Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, all we're told is that they received the Holy Ghost in this part. How do we know that they received the Holy Ghost? What does that prove? Peter laid hands on them. What does that prove? How do, how do we know that they received the Holy Ghost? What is this? So the Scripture says they received the Holy Ghost. So, so let's look at cues and clues. Okay? So they, they were baptized, yes, absolutely. Okay, but it, it is a separate experience. So let's, let's continue on. Verse number 18. When Simon, now Simon was a sorcerer. He was a, uh, a new convert in the church. He's been coming around, hanging around the church, and he's, he's, he's enjoying the fellowship. He's enjoying what's happening in the church. But Simon's former life, he was a sorcerer. And it seems like he didn't quite leave that life fully behind. Okay? So Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Again, we're looking at contextual clues. Okay? Something. Now, this is, you're talking to somebody who whose previous life was, was around magic and, and, and sorcery, right? So there needed to be, it's all about show. It's all about evidence. It's all about something happening. That's, that's how they get the attention. That's how they get, draw you in. Now, you, somebody tell me if I'm wrong as I go through this, okay? So Simon sees Paul, Peter and John lay hands on these people, and he's like, wow. How much money do I need to give you so that I can do that? In other words, again, tell me if, if you think I'm wrong. In other words, there was something that could be seen and or potentially heard that got Simon's attention. Because if, if there wasn't something powerful or impacting, Simon wouldn't have cared. Does that make sense? What do you think, from what we've read so far of Scripture, what do you think Simon might have saw or heard? Tongues, speaking in other tongues would be reasonable to assume why because that's how it initially happened and Peter and John were there when it initially happened so is that a reasonable I hate to use the word assumption reasonable conclusion let's use that is that a reasonable conclusion 
Okay, so there was something that was evident, something that got Simon's attention. Okay, so that, that we might be concerned if that was all there was. Okay, so because you can say, Pastor, you're doing a lot of supposing. Well, you're, you're right, you're right. But, uh, but uh, what you notice in here is that, that Peter, Peter uh, continued to preach about baptism. They continued to do baptisms. Okay, that's why they came down. It's because these folks had already been baptized in Jesus' name. They just needed the Holy Ghost. And something got the attention of Simon when they laid hands so that they received the Holy Ghost. Okay? So let's move out of assumptions and let's move into continued practice. Okay? So we see what happened on the day of Pentecost. We're, we're kind of assuming from the context of Acts chapter 8, but let's jump over to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, you've got a, a man named Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. So far, so far, everything that's happening has been to the Jewish people. But now we've got a, a Gentile, a Roman centurion. He gets, he gets a vision from the Lord, and, and God speaks to him, tells him to send two servants to the house of Simon. And there at the house of Simon the tanner, that he's, he's going to... Uh, uh, find Peter, the apostle. Peter's up on the roof and he's praying. And as he's praying, Peter sees a vision. There's a sheet that's dropped down by the Lord from the heavens. And on the sheet are all sorts of animals. And he tells, tells Peter, slay and eat. Well, obviously from Simon's re or Peter's response, though they were unclean in the eyes of the Jewish people, whatever those animals were. And he says, not so, Lord. I've never had anything that's unclean. Okay, well, God's response was to him, don't call what I've cleansed unclean. And from there, the vision was done. God had told him to, to go with the servants that were sent from Cornelius. God made, he changed Simon's thinking or Peter's thinking in that, that, that period. Because Peter might not have gone with the servants of Cornelius if God hadn't just spoken to him. So Peter went with the servants, went to court, the house of Cornelius, and there at the house of Cornelius, he sees this devout man, hungry for God, and he preaches when you read the context of the sermon, it sounds very similar to Acts chapter 2. He preaches Jesus and him crucified. And so we get to verse number 44. While Peter yet spake these words, he didn't even finish his sermon, no altar call. God stepped in. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, that means the Jews that were there with them, which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. Why? Why were the Jews astonished? Because the Holy Ghost came. How did they know? 
thankfully, the Scripture gives us the answer. Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Sounds just like what happened on the day of Pentecost. Sounds just like what probably happened when Peter and John came to Samaria. And the Jews were thinking, I thought this was for us only. And here's a Gentile receiving the Holy Ghost just like we did. And then answered Peter, verse 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And they prayed him to tarry certain days. Are you seeing what's happening? The teaching, the apostles' doctrine is continuing. They haven't changed. Now, we have to make one more assumption. And please forgive me. But repentance has been preached from the time of John the Baptist through the time of Jesus. Jesus came telling everybody, just like John, repent, kingdom of heaven's at hand. Peter on the day of Pentecost preached the first thing, repent and be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But we're not seeing in these, in these two narratives that we've just read, we're not seeing repentance. But what we can safely assume, because repentance is a personal thing between a man and God, we can safely assume that if God is remitting their sins in baptism, and that he's filling them with the Holy Ghost, that they've already repented. We see this in Cornelius, that he's already hungry for God. He's searching for God. Okay? He responds to the word. Okay? So please forgive me. I, I, I have to assume in these instances that repentance has already taken place. Okay. Let's jump to ver chapter 19, Acts chapter 19. I'm aware of the time. I'll try to end quickly. I've only got 15 pages left. Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. Disciples, that means that these were people who were already searching for the Lord and in their own way serving Him. He said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Now, I'm going to pause there because much of Christianity simply leaves it at believe on the Lord and you shall be saved. But believing always requires action. Believing always requires something as the evidence as the, pro, as, as the result of that belief, okay? And those that receive the word, we keep seeing that statement in the scripture in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, those who receive the word, something happens in them, they respond, okay? Belief turns into action. And so uh, Paul asks these disciples, these people who believe, he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? 
There's something more for you beyond the belief in the Lord. And they said unto him, we've not so much as heard that there's a Holy Ghost. And so he dives a little deeper, says, okay, so under what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. So Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these believers, these disciples, were rebaptized in the name of Jesus. Okay? So the teaching hasn't changed. Are you with me? They're still baptizing in the name of Jesus, just like Acts chapter 2, verse 38. They were rebaptized in Jesus' name. And verse number 6, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Praise God. So the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' doctrine continues throughout the book of Acts. People who haven't repented need to repent. Without repentance, there's no remission of sin, so there's no point in baptism. Right? That's, that's Bible. Okay? So, so there, there's going to be repentance preached on the day of Pentecost, no doubt lived out in these lives, but they needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. They needed to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, and the only evidence, the only evidence in Scripture and I challenge you to find anything different in the book of Acts. Evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost. The first time when somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit. The only thing that we can see as a consistent evidence is speaking in other tongues. Okay? I challenge you, look, look for something different. You won't find it. I still encourage you to look. Well, what we see is that these, the only thing we can glean from what's there is that they were disciples of John the Baptist. Okay, so disciples being more of a general term, but they had a desire. They, they would be disciples of, uh, that, that were searching for the Lord. And if they were true disciples of John the Baptist, then they were already looking for the Messiah because they knew John wasn't the answer. Remember what Scripture tells us. That's a good question. Right. So, so um, hopefully I didn't lose my, my train of thought with that. Um, I think I did. Ask your question again. Short form. Right. So, so disciples being general term, okay? But these disciples were disciples of John the Baptist. Disciples being learners. 
They have a teacher, a rabbi that they were following. So if they were true disciples of, of Jesus or of John the Baptist, they would have been looking for the one that John was talking about. John knew that he was the forerunner of the Christ. Okay? Now, what we're understanding from the context, and this is this is again, this is I'm just trying to read from what's in here, is from the context of that portion of scripture, is that those disciples just had not yet heard. The exposure hadn't yet been there that they had heard there was anything different. Okay, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't, for these guys, I wouldn't say that they were lukewarm. It's just the Bible tells us that time and chance happens to all men. Okay, and they were ready when the time came. They were hungry for the Lord. Well, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I would say that their, their faith was high enough to respond to the word of the Lord in the moment. Just hadn't yet heard, okay? So, um, can can I have five more minutes? Okay, you guys can smack Joey later, but <laughs> for those that are at home, he said ten more minutes. <laughs> I'll try to wrap this up in, in five minutes, okay? So, so these are these are the things that are being taught and practiced in the New Testament church. Okay, very important to understand that because when we talk about c continuing Pentecost, the experience of Pentecost, the growth, the happenings of Pentecost, the first thing that was in the formula that was mentioned in our text of chapter 2, verse 40, 40 chapter 2, verse 42, was they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What did the apostles teach? I'm sorry what Jesus taught them. And from what we can see in the book of Acts is that if, if they were stepping out on their own because Jesus told them in Matthew 28, 19, I want you to, uh, you can turn there. Um, and we often, often read this with a certain thing in mind. Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we read that scripture and we focus on what Jesus said as far as baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. First of all, let's go ahead and throw this out. There's only one name. Jesus is the Father. He is the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. He's all three, all by himself. Okay? So, we... The reason I point this out is because either on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached that you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, either he was fulfilling what Jesus told them or he was disobedient. Everybody with me? Okay. If he was obedient, then he's fulfilling what Jesus told them. And listen, to, this is why I want to change your focus a little bit at least for the purposes of tonight. He said, go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things. Look at this. Whatsoever I have commanded you. If the church continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, 
even though it was called the Apostles' Doctrine, it came from their rabbi, their master, their savior, Jesus Christ. They were fulfilling the commands of Jesus. You want more proof? Mark 16, verse 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Luke also records that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations. In John, we have record of Jesus teaching. John 14, verse 9. I love this. I'm trying to finish in the, the five minutes. I might be an extra minute. Jesus saith unto, unto him, he's talking to Philip. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and it's, it's enough for us. Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, and yet you still don't know me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How then, or how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jump down a few verses to verse 15. So Jesus is declaring, you've, if you've seen, the, seen me, you've seen the Father. We're, we're one and the same. Praise God. Okay, well, let's, what about the Holy Ghost? Verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. I'll pray the Father who will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. That sounds like a, a, another party to the Godhead. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But Jesus told, tells him, he says, But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. And he finishes it up in verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. If Pentecost is to continue, we must continue in the teachings of the apostles' doctrine. Nothing else matters without the truth. Nothing else matters without the truth. It was so important, the truth was so important, the doctrines of the apostles, the gospel of Jesus Christ was so important. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, we read uh, Paul's uh, uh, answer to this, this dilemma. He says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed... As we've said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Doctrine is so vitally important to the continuation of the faith, the edification, the building of the church. Amen. Let's stand together. You guys have been so patient tonight. I want to read you what Paul wrote to the young preacher, Timothy. This is why doctrine is so important. And this is, this is what I end with. Tonight. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, he tells the young preacher, continue in the things which you have learned. So this is now going from the apostles now into their disciples. Okay? Continue in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom you have 
have learned them. And that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Verse Chapter 4, verse number 1. I charge you, therefore, it's the continuation, before God the Lord and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, Timothy. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come. The time will come, folks. I dare say it's here. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they'll turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. The apostles' doctrine continued all the years in which they lived. But Jesus knew that it would carry on further. My final verse tonight, John 17, verse 20. As he prayed for his disciples, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you and I. Down through 2,000 years, Jesus prayed for us that we would continue in the doctrine. That we would continue in the doctrine. The doctrine that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost was one God. He loved us enough that he was manifest in the flesh paid the price for our sin. And our response is to fulfill the gospel of Jesus Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection, repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And we continue to live a holy and godly life. Folks, in this Apostles' Doctrine and the other things that we're going to talk about in the next week or two, key verbiage at the beginning of that is that they continued steadfastly. When it comes to church, when it comes to uh, our study, when it comes to our uh, prayer, when it comes to our fellowship, when it comes to these things that are part of that formula, I think far too often uh, I'll say we as a church, I'm talking about just the church corporate overall, is that we're far too lazy. We take our ease far too much. They continued steadfastly. That means to be earnest, to persevere, to be diligent. Amen. Lord, I thank you tonight for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the patience of the saints tonight. God, I pray that you would help us uh, as we desire, as we hunger, Lord, for a continued move of your presence in our lives. That, Lord, you would help us, Lord, illuminate your word every day as we open the scripture, Lord. I pray let your spirit speak into our living and direct our steps every day. God, I pray today that you would help us to be witnesses unto you as you have called us to be. And, Lord, in our, our living and in these things, Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue steadfastly with perseverance, with diligence, in the Apostles' Doctrine. 
to walk in those things by faith and believing, Lord, that your word is right and true. I pray, Lord, let your spirit, your presence be ever, and let your word, God, I pray, continue to open our understanding. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name tonight. Amen. God bless you. Dismissed in Jesus' name. Greet each other in the name of the Lord. Talk about how long pastor taught tonight.